0: Now, your host, Marguerite Crispillo.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. It's Marguerite Crispillo, and thank you so much for joining us today on our leadership series. I, I've admired this gal for a long time for what she has been doing for women in general, but primarily women in the real estate industry. So I'm extremely honored to have Desiree Patnaud. Did I get your name right? Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much.
2: And thank you for being here today. So
1: tell us a little bit about you and your background. I'd love to hear about it.
2: Well, thank you for welcoming me for coming on board um well, my background is is that um I was born in California, so I'm a native californian yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful. It's very few of us out here um but anyway, yeah. um, I got into real estate in nineteen ninety one and I have previously had been working on my mother's home for many, many years. I started out at a very young age. Um, and so I know construction very well from anywhere from soil compaction to building homes from the ground up. My mother started with a home that was 1,700 square feet and ended up being 15,000 square feet. So to fast forward, yeah, really, whoa. So fast forward now, um, we are the organization, um, uh, fast forward I should say back to 1991 when I got my real estate license, um, I g- went into the program saying, okay, what am I going to do, how am I going to do it, because the the background of doing real estate is such that it can be very diverse in a- every aspect that you want to go out there. So when I looked at it, I said, okay, do I really want to go into commercial real estate? So my first interview was to be a commercial real estate agent, and my previous boss convinced me that commercial wasn't the thing. Do you want to spend nine months working on a commercial job versus going to residential? So I ended up going the residential route, and we worked with relocation for about four years. Then I went into doing REOs. Um, I've sold over 6,000 REOs in my heyday, um, and then I converted about six and a half, seven years ago we actually formed NAWRB, the National Association of Women in Real Estate Businesses. And the reason we formed it was to help the diversity inclusion and to really help women out there in the industry.
1: That's amazing. You know, and I think
2: I got into REO for a bit, and
1: it's a whole different ballgame, right? It's completely different from the traditional way that real estate is done. And it's definitely a little bit of an old boys' network, (laughs)
2: You think? Um, yeah, in 1993 when we I got my very first REO, um, it was very challenging in the sense that um, very few women did it. Um, more importantly, um, the structure, it was really pretty much you winged it as you went. And I mean winged it by you had to, in my heyday, we were fron- fronting almost a half a million dollars uh, a month in uh, reimbursement bills up the front versus them, and you had to turn all utilities on. You had to do all the maintenance, everything, and you had to pay for it out of your pocket. And then also have someone in staff pay those bills, bill them to the clients, and make sure you didn't lose any bills, and then wait for the reimbursements. Um, You know, it's it's not for the
1: faint of heart because when I – I had always done traditional real estate up until about 2008 when the market, you know, shifted pretty dramatically. Uh And I remember when I got the first Fannie Mae account and they said, yeah, you need to have a $150,000 credit line. And I laughed. I said, "Ah, why would I need that? And then, you know, within like 90 days, blew through that. And then you have to sit and wait, wait, wait. Back then we were paying for the cash for Keith, too. Yep. And they went up to over $5,000. Yeah. 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 Well, then if you're waiting, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And well, the other thing is, is that um, when I first started out and with um, National, um Homestead Savings and Loan, um, I was doing the whole United States. Um, and the cool thing was, is that wow. they didn't do a whole lot of rehab, so that was okay as far as fronting the money. You know, had the buyers, the sellers, all that kind of good stuff. But when Freddie Mac came along in 1993 with me, um, we fronted all the construction bills. So if I had a oh recap bill that cost fifteen dollars or $20,000 and I had five or ten of those out, plus the cash for keys, plus all the, you know, setup charges, you were rolling some dough.
1: Yeah, so, that's insane. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, I learned a
1: lot in the REO about what, what I didn't want to do. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> the beauty, doing the, the, a bit. Yeah, the beauty is, is that when you're looking at um, – The REO account, it was something that was said that not only is it not for the faint of heart, but remember you're dealing with emotions, and that's the most important thing. You're dealing with people's lives, and when you're kicking them out, you have to know that someone has to do it. So you have to be very cordial about what you're doing. Um, So it was a very emotional toll going to the home and finding out that there was little kids stuff there or that it had a family or a misfortune, or you had to deal with people who were taking advantage of the system. So it was a very yeah. big, not only was it a financial strain, but it was an emotional strain, And it was, but it was very lucrative. It paid me very well. It was, a, it was entitled me to um, start up the, NDRB, the Association Association um, because of what it brought. At the same time, it brought me a lot of clarity of the problems we had, where it was a good old boys' network, where we had issues to where women were being underrepresented in, in a big way. Um, and I knew that they weren't going to go away ever. They would always be around forever, but in the sense of the cycles. But the sense of that, I knew that it was going to calm down. So now there's no such thing as, as an REO or, in my book, an REO or traditional cell. It is real estate. There's no in, right. in, in in our language. There's no difference. If you don't know how to do a short sell, you don't know how to do an REO. You don't know how to do a traditional sell. You don't know how to do a relocation. You don't know how to do you know, uh, for sale by owner or have to do, you know, uh, work out a program and do a refi. All that, to me, is real estate now. You're right. It's force of doing business.
1: It's definitely much more diversified. You know, when people say they're specialized in one area, it it makes it tough. You know, you have to be able to kind of flow with the the roller coaster of this business because it changes on a dime. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Remember seventy so percent of all the loans were canceled when Obama signed the bill when they were changed in the market after the crash. Seventy percent of all loans in process, including loan docs that had been signed, of those in escrow, lost their loan or ability to fund on the loan program.
1: Uh, that's insane.
2: That it changed on a dime. Yep. So no more can you project Other than the TRID program that has been postponed four times now and is now official October 3rd, which could be delayed again because there's a lot of talk about them trying to push it again, even though they say they're not. We'll see. Um, But the idea is is that that is one of the few things that has been given credence to that you had time to react. Everything else is that, oh, we signed it a lot as of today. Too bad. Get it done. Those yeah. kind of things are very powerful. And when you're talking with women owned, ownership in what we represent for women and women in housing for derby, we've got um, you only can, you cannot be a, um, you have to be a woman to be a member of a, our organization, um, but you don't have to be a, a woman to support it. Um, but the idea <laughs> is that um, we had, had to throw that in there, um, is you have so much the ownership of women, 84% of them are one in themselves, meaning they have no support mechanism, they have no assistance, they have just some. So if you're looking at of 84% of all women-owned companies are one in themselves. How are you going to take on all the new requirements, whether that be TRID, whether it be compliant, whether it be broker, whether it be your BRE, whatever? It doesn't matter. You have to deal with more, um, you know, sophisticated homeowners. You have to deal with more sophisticated buyers. You have to deal with more marketing campaigns. You have to deal – you no longer can be a realtor that goes put a sign in the yard, put you know, put in the MLS and say, thank you very much, see you later. If you aren't out there being the greatest marketer, writer, um, you know, basically entertainer, you know, lawyer, um, psychiatrist, you know, on down the line, <laughs> then you, you don't make it work. Yeah. So, You're so right, and, so and
1: and you know, um, I, I'm I'm laughing because as I was reading your bio, I see that you have four boys, and, and I have five boys, um, and wow. so raising boys is, you know, a, a whole different world and certainly gives you a lot of, uh, I think, leadership skills in a lot of ways because to manage all that uh, testosterone can be a challenge, but I, I so agree with, with you. Days. <laughs> you know, now I have to, I have to, I have great I have great boys as well, but uh, definitely a different world from from where I came from.
2: Um, well, you I know, mean, it's not but, that I have great boys. It's just I I do love my boys, but they are not, they are a handful. And the thing is that they say women are more handful. That our boy girls are more handful than boys. So I wouldn't know because I have no girls. Yeah,
1: I feel very blessed for sure. So. A a couple of things that that came to mind when you were talking about that is that I think one of the differences is, is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of differences in between what men do and what women do. And obviously this is not all inclusive, right? There's some great guys out there that that step up and do things. But Mm -hmm. what I've always said is when a man goes out and he runs a company, he pretty much that's all he has to do right? I mean, he he goes, gets up and goes to work and he comes home. And usually they have a wife who takes care of pretty much everything else, you know, taking care of kids, taking care of the household, taking care of doctor's appointments, grocery shopping and all of those things. When a woman rises to the top in some sort of leadership organization, many times she's not only running that company and running that show, but she's also at the end of the day going home taking care of kids, cleaning house, doing laundry, grocery shopping, making doctor's appointments. And like I said, it's not, that's not every relationship. There are some, some great men out there, but for the most part, that's what I see. And I think that that's where some of the real challenges lie for women is being able to, how the heck do you balance all that? Right?
2: Right. Absolutely. Um, Well, Women have always been better at multitasking than men. Statistics have come out right. and proven that. Um, so it's a matter of whether you have support mechanisms, and whether that be your significant other, whether that be the programs that you have in place, whether you're um, pre-programmed and or multitasking yourself and that you have your own checklist and how you go through, I think is the pivotal piece that you have to go through it. Um, there's a lot of very successful women that, you know, are single. There's a lot of successful women that are, are um, you know, still married. But I think the most important thing is, is that if they're going to be married, they have to have a support system that their husband is, you know, along for the ride. can be very successful on their own, but it's very hard when you have two successful people to make it work versus then one successful and one be a support mechanism, um, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, um you know it it takes a job to work a job, as they say, and I believe a relationship is a job um and you have to yeah. put everything into it um so I know through you know growing a business, having your ups and downs um you really have to get involved, especially if a child has an issue, like for example um i'm a work in, in progress in you know, when my, um, when B is, um was uh, three years ago, we had NRB. I had my brokerage, um, my husband had his investment company, and my husband was, um, lost so much blood that he was out for about three months and he almost died. And then my oh, wow. third son got acute leukemia the same week that my husband almost died. So we all get bumps in the road. We all have to deal with them. Right. And it's who defines you? Um, life defines you based on how you react to those bumps in, in the world. And I know that had I not gone through the um, cancer part, my husband almost died in the same week, um, and took me eight months to go through that. And to this day, my third son is still getting uh, leukemia treatments. He's got until June of 2016. So every day I still have to wake up, okay, is he well? Is he fine? What's going on? You know, everything cool? I mean, he's in maintenance, so everything should be copesthetically great. But you have your issues right. and you have those bumps where you still have to go to the hospital or whatever. So my life has taken a turn for the better in the sense that I'm very much involved in the City of Hope and their philanthropy work and, and one of their advocates speaking on their behalf. Um, but more importantly, it's defined me as a person in my relationships. I look at people differently now. I deal with life differently. And I go and say, well, you know what? What else can you throw my way? You know, I've already done doing yeah. all this stuff. And when you talk about, okay, do the groceries, do this, do that. Well, I can honestly sit here and tell you right now and tell your listeners that um, I do not cook very often. My husband does the cooking, and he's not a stay-at-home mom. You know, he has his own company out and does his things, but he loves to cook. And with my work schedule, I don't have that fortitude or time or want to or desire to go home and cook. I'd rather sit down and take a load off my feet, give my brain half an hour to recoup before I go into my night mode and start going back at at doing my follow-ups and emails and business planning. One thing women do very well is that at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting texts and emails from people all over the world saying, and you're seeing their time frame when they're working, and even though it's 3 o'clock my time, I know it's still 5 a.m. their time or whatever, that we're like, okay, oh, I forgot to do this email. Oh, I forgot to say this. Oh, well, what if I do this? What did I do? We're always working. It's just our mental makeup.
1: You know what I, I love hearing you say is that I think so many people out there, um, they don't see what it takes to be successful, right, because it, – it, Probably eighty percent of all the stuff that you just said that you're doing is stuff that really happens behind the scenes. It's you know that two a.m. you know emails that you're sending. It's that you know time when you're getting these things taken care of, and people don't see the work that goes in to all that you do. Like they think you just like show up on stage one day and oh wow you, you're your success <laughs> you know and i've seen that so much with uh, i think people in the real estate industry especially is that they don't they don't really re- understand the time and the attention and the dedication that it takes to accomplish you know whatever your version of success is but i also love that in your relationship how important it becomes to adjust right What is traditional in one situation is not traditional in another. I know similar for me, my husband was the primary breadwinner for the first half of our relationship, and the second half, it's become me. But he's become, her roles have changed in a positive way. He's become so much more supportive, and I've been so much more appreciative, (laughs) you know, I think is is what's happened.
0: But I I wanted to
1: understand... What made you decide to create the National Association of
2: Women REO Brokers? Well, it's actually called the National Association of Women and Real Estate Businesses.
1: I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong uh, wrong information. It was
2: originally that back when it was formed back in 2009, but it's since changed five and a half years ago. But, yes, yeah, NASA Association of Women in Real Estate Businesses, and what that relates to is all women in the housing continuum. So that can be whether you're an insurance agent or a contractor, a CPA, um, um, lawyer, title, escrow, obviously your brokerage, underwriter, auctioneer, um, engineer, anything that does with the entire housing continuum. And what we mean by that is retail, commercial, residential, industrial, um, all the components of that, and that's a huge halo if you think about it. That's probably 40 yeah. to 50 percent of all the different industries that are out there in the United States or in the world. Okay. And the reason Interview was formed was originally was for the REO brokerage side. To be honest, because that's my forte was in the REOs at the, at the time, and we saw that they were the supplier diversity was not being utilized in the vendor suppliers. Um, we saw that they were not being utilized to where we got. Uh, Adam I say access to the portals that were being handed out. It was a good old boys' network, very honest. And so we made an admission that, okay, we have to have women in this playing field. Don't tell me that because I'm a woman, I can't handle to go knock on a door and do a lockout with someone, or that I will get my heels dirty because I'm going to claw- crawl underneath a, uh, a home and go look to see what kind of termite infestation it has, or get on a roof or something like that because I have a dress on. And that was the issues that we were having. So when I saw it was a very male-dominant field, like the, the, the REO world was compared to the commercial world, we said, we have to do something about it. Well, we quickly realized right away that, calling it just the REO brokers wasn't going to cut it, that we had to be inclusive to all businesses that were in the industry. And more importantly, not just REOs. It should have been every industry in all of real estate. So hence, that's why the name changed right after it launched. Um, and the reason we started was, was that we needed to do something which is the biggest topic on the industry right now, diversity and inclusion. Um, we came aboard in 2009. We started a magazine. We said, okay, we need to champion that information out there to get more women um, informed of what's going on. So if you look, take the um, the clock back and go back to 2010. Congress and Water started. The Dodd-Frank Section 342, when it came out, she authored it, and she says we need to have Office of Minority Women Inclusion in every federal agency. Well, in January 2011, when the AMIs came on board for every federal agency except for the CFPB, didn't come on until July, they said, okay, we need to have more women in upper management, we need more women-owned businesses, in addition, obviously, for minority, but we focused on the women here. And with that being said as of today, this second, talking right now on September tenth, you're talking and you're hearing what's going on in our industry, that we have so much diversity inclusion that is being the forefront of every major corporation. That is the hottest ticket that's out there. Yet on the boots and the heels of the ground of your normal everyday realtor, agent, contractor, um, you know, lender, title and escrow officer, or loan officer, they're just kind of like, yeah, kind of heard about it, Mm, don't know too much about it, okay, fine. It is the biggest ticket thing that's out there right now on on the major corporations. Why? Thousands and millions and um, billions of fines not in compliance, not doing what needs to be done, is because of the fact that we don't have enough diversity inclusion that's out there.
1: And so with your organization what you're doing is you're going
2: out there and
1: pushing harder for those kinds that kind of diversity, right? We're
2: not just pushing well, pushing harder we'll say we're pushing for more awareness. So we started our magazine, so we actually published every single issue, a piece about the Amis, what's going on. We publish an issue we published about the National Women's Business uh, Council, who they are advisor to the President, Congress and SBA. We also publish stuff that's going with the Small Business Administration, the advocacy of the Small Business Administration, which are completely different entities. Um, So we're actually out there bringing more information, more tools to the women in housing, and more available options for them. So, for example, do you know that the Federal Reserve Board has contracting jobs for women?
1: Wow. No, I didn't know that.
2: Did you know that the CFPB has jobs? Do you know that the FDIC, we all know that the FDIC have jobs because everyone wants to kind of bid on them because of their failed institutions. But every single entity has jobs out there. So you're thinking, well, they're not in real estate. Yes, they are. A contractor that does rehab to the commercial building or does relocation or does leasing of that building or sells their assets Including buildings, is in real estate, and those jobs are available. So our job is to go out there and let you know about that information. In addition to, we represent the women in housing on your business, not the homeowners that are in the home. So, for example, I need I'm a five man, five woman show And I want to grow my business, but I'm $50,000 short because I want to take it to the next level. So I need to hire a marketing campaign, or I need to hire an assistant. I need to hire someone else. So I can go get a business loan from the SBA to fund me to take my business to the next level versus me getting a loan to buy a home. That's what we do. We educate you on your business, on its entity, what it's designated as, whether it's a minority or woman-owned business. We work with getting you job opportunities based on what your structure is. And we work on getting you diverse within the business structure. So we work on your business versus then in your business.
1: And that's a huge area that I think um, is definitely lacking. It's that education, that knowledge, that, that connection to somebody who knows. You know, I always say, from the the real estate sales side the number one reason why people don't buy a home is because they don't think they can not because it's not possible and i would venture to say that for women-owned businesses which i'm one of them is i for most of the time that i've owned my company 23 years i had the support of my husband but never really understood what options and possibilities were available out there i mean I would say that the majority of what I did, I did by just going out there and putting my nose to the grindstone and doing what I could. You know, I didn't get any business loans or, I mean, it really came down to knocking on doors and doing what I could. So I agree with you that there's a huge need for just the awareness. And and also, too, for, like you said, the majority of these women-owned businesses that are kind of one one-woman shops, they don't necessarily have that network either. To go out there and expand like I just don't think that they realize what the options and the possibilities are and they don't have the people to they're kind of working in a closet so to speak so they don't have all those conversations and connections and people to diversify and get that information from would you not agree?
2: Uh, most part uh, I do but the other thing is is that self-confidence is another big factor. A lot of women don't have the self-confidence to jump out of their, their closet, if you want to call it that, um, to go out there and make the connections that they need to to grow their business. Um, and that's an issue. Time, you know, money, finances, access to capital is still one of the biggest three things that prevent women from growing their businesses. But let me put you on the spot. She's like, okay, great. Um, awareness <laughs> is everything. On any literature do you have do you have it down that you are a woman-owned business? I don't. Okay. Mm-mm. You could. Say I will, Well, gonna, let me let me let me back up for a
1: moment. I will say that when we were proactively going out to getting the REO accounts, yes, we had that down as as a key point that we were a woman-owned business. Okay, but, but it I'm, I'm on a
2: signature. Line. So The signature line or business card. Have ever you had a signature line or business card saying that you're a woman-owned business? No, I'm not. Okay. Number one pivotal problem is is that you are addressing an industry that doesn't relate to the obvious. So I can't tell you how many times I see a business card, I see this beautiful minority woman on the card, and it will say broker. Occasionally it will say broker owner. And I'll say, so, are you the owner of the company? Yes. I said, well, are you a woman-owned company? Well, obviously I'm a woman. Can't you see from the picture? (laughs) Yeah, but where does it tell me that you're a woman-owned company? I said, are you a minority-owned company? Can you not tell by the color of my skin that I'm a minority? I said, well, yes, but I can't. Nowhere does it tell me that you're the owner of the company and that I can put two and two together, that you're a minority woman-owned company. That such a of good point. Is, go ahead.
1: That's such a good point. I honestly never thought about that because you just assume... When, and and so if you five thousand you assume.
2: Yeah, that's right. $5,000 worth of, of, of counseling they charge to do that. So I turn around and wow. I, I ask you, okay, so you're a woman-owned company but you've never put down on your business card that you said that you're a woman-owned company. It doesn't? I don't need it to go to the level of that saying you're certified as an independent third party. Maybe you don't have the money, you don't have the time, you haven't done it, whatever. But you didn't have me taken the time to put down you're a woman-owned company. A simple three-word conversation. Because I might be looking to do business specifically with a woman-owned company, or I need a certain target that I need to get done, or I need Whatever. But, you know, if I if you're out looking at the hottest ticket of diversity inclusion and you're assuming that I'm going to put together that your picture says you're a woman and that you see on the bottom of your card that you're owner, that I'm going to assume that you're a woman-owned company, never going to cross my mind unless you're in the industry of wow. certification. Not I don't care what industry you're talking about. You see my point?
1: I totally see your point, and I
2: seriously never – of it that way i mean
1: i think i verbally say that many times oh yeah i own the company but i never even thought about well my card could float around from hand to hand to hand and
2: that person doesn't necessarily know that i'm the owner they have no idea and they're never going to remember because right. we're at a data overload a pure data overload so if i don't have something written in front of me to keep my name down it's not going to work
1: that's amazing yeah i uh, honestly i Never even, never even thought about that. It does say on my resume that I submit for REO stuff, but it it doesn't say on any of my traditional resumes or any of the other stuff that I do. That's pretty powerful.
2: So I mean, it's just those kind of things that make it to a different level. And and unfortunately, you know, I'm Desiree Patton Enterprises Inc. is the name of my brokerage. Well, Desiree Patton Enterprises Inc. One would assume that Desiree Patton owns it, okay? Doesn't necessarily mean that, but one would assume. Right. So I'll give you that. But I've actually had people, I'm not kidding, until a couple of years ago before I became a circuit craze say, literally, Desiree Patna doesn't exist, it's just a name. It's a company that produces volume ROs. Kid you not. Wow. And I'm like, gee, did you Google me? Did you see what there's actually a person, that's me. See out the pictures? Kid you not. But so many people won't, you're right, they won't go to that effort. They
1: won't go out and search and, you know, do the background and do the history unless it's really important to them, unless there's something, you know, that they need that
2: information for. Most people
1: won't. Most people won't but, do that. I'm guilty of it myself. But it's not
2: important for you. It's important for the client that you're servicing. Meaning you're right. that you might not care if you're a woman-owned company. But the person you're doing the business with would and you're thinking, well, so what? I'm not making a target for I'm not making a you know, a certain um business structure for them. Wait a second, you are because they might be going after a government contract. They might be going after a bigger contract that they're servicing. And depending on their supplier diversity of who they're doing business with, they need to make a certain number. So it's not about you. It's about who their client is and who their client goes to, then goes to their client before. It's all packed in order.
1: Oh, completely.
2: So uh, tell me
1: a couple things. With with yes. the majority of the REO is, has declined pretty dramatically, mm-hmm. what are you seeing more and more women-owned businesses doing? What areas are you seeing them venturing into or... Are they expanding more in the traditional market? Are they trying to build brokerages? Are they,
2: like, well, the, what the, do you the see majority the majority of women build, who are doing that? They're getting smart. They're starting on their own, and they're diversifying their business model and their business structure. So instead of just selling homes that are traditionally REOs, they're now going to investment properties. They're now doing property management. They're now doing... Um, you know, we're, we, one of the things Editor B does is that we teach them how to go into the government space and take all that property management that you learned doing Freddie, Fannie, and every other REO, and we're teaching them how to do what we call facility maintenance. Facility maintenance is what they they term that in the contracting world to taking care of commercial buildings. So all the rehabs that you did on the residential properties, you can do in commercial buildings. Beauty of it, there's no emotion. And you only have to do it from right. 8 to 5, Monday to Friday. <laughs> Not that twenty four seven real estate agent like
1: most. And
2: you don't have to worry about three o'clock in the morning, an emergency call. The water hose exploded. Now, obviously, if there's fire or water damage, that's you know a little different. It doesn't matter what you're working on, but the concept right. of health issues of who you're dealing with much much better, much easier, and the contracts you're dealing with are much bigger. So, what I did in the RIO day, what I'm doing facility maintenance on the contract side. You can turn around and make that into a $5, $10, 20000000 million contract and make it renewal every year for five years versus in so, selling a home.
1: So what do you think makes a – what do you think helps a woman become a better leader, helps them to, to rise faster or rise in a better way? Um,
2: Self-confidence is what do, number what one. Do you th-
1: And where do you think that comes from? How how do they get more confidence?
2: I think it starts at a very early age with their parents allowing them to experience life and fall on their face and pick themselves up. I believe that I'm. I mean, my older brother and younger brother um, uh, had a game that they try to beat the pelt out of me. I mean, literally beat me to a tar. um, And my mother never got in the way. And I'm like crying in the bathroom, going, Mom, they're beating me up. They're beating me up. she says, you're not dead, so you're doing okay. <laughs> so I used to run in the bathroom and slam the door, and they'd be pounding on the door, and eventually the, both of them would break the door down, um, and they'd come in there, and they'd be beating me up. And I'm like, you know, I, Mom, Mom, they're killing me, they're killing me. And she says, well, you haven't gone to the hospital, you're not dead, so I'm good. Stand up for yourself. Fight <laughs> back. And, you know, you're sounding like thinking, okay, this is abusive family. They're killing each other now. Um, but no, because we were all athletic, we were very much into sports, swimming, dancing, um, you know, singing, playing musical instruments and hiking and horseback riding, all that kinda of good stuff. And so we were very, very, very athletic. And so if I said something they didn't like or they wanted me to do something and I said no, they would come and, and start, you know, hitting my shoulder. And I was very I had a a phenomenal shoulder. It could take punishment like no other. I mean, they weren't coming at me with weapons and they didn't do karate right. on me, but the bottom line is, is that I was their punching bag, and I had to stand up to them and push them back, and I'm six foot tall, and, you know, I'm a mean, lean girl, and, and we go back at them. But the idea is that it got me to stand up, so now I'm older, you know, I'm 55 this year. I can walk around and feel somewhat confident that, you know, if someone comes to attack me, I can pretty much protect myself, not in all, not in all instances, but I have confidence. And I truly believe that as our parents did not shield us children um, and they allow us to experience life, it made a difference. I mean, one of the other horror stories is that we have a swimming pool with no fence. I mean, could you imagine in today's society having a pool with no fence? Um, right. We had, a, we had a half acre, had no, had no fence. And you walked. Um, I'll never forget this. We had a because she did it to my younger brother and did it to my older brother. Um, had a eight ten foot sliding uh, foot door, and we had um, a good probably forty foot distance between her sliding glass door and the swimming pool. And you had to walk down um, numerous stairs, probably two or three dozen stairs, to get down to the swimming pool. And so she'd warned me, and my younger brother, and my older brother, don't get around the pool and play, you'll fall in. Don't get around the pool and play, you'll fall in. And yeah, right, mom, whatever. You know, I'm about one and a half years old and I'm playing around the pool and playing with a ball and I fall in the pool. Most women, our parents, would freak out, run down, grab the kid and go, oh my God, I told you. Not my mother. My mother (laughs) um, would let us sit there and she'd clock it. Now, 30 seconds. Okay, about time. Yeah, you're still alive. You're still floating. Okay, about another five seconds. She would gradually walk down. I'm not exaggerating and go, I told you not to play around the pool. You're dying, you you know, you're sinking, you're gasping for air, you're <laughs> turning colors, you, you, you know, and I told you not to play around the pool. She'd grab in, pick you out of the pool. Now, this is a big pool, 25 feet wide, 10 feet deep, you know, we're talking a regular good-sized swimming pool. Grab me out of the pool, water, now, obviously this is she's telling me, and because I saw it do it to my younger brother, Grab it out, you know, do the chokehold, get the water out of your system and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And you're screaming and crying and coughing up water and everything else. And she says, I bet you never play around the pool again. She was (laughs) right. And immediately after that, we were all swimmers. So we all became, you know, excellent swimmers, AAU swimmers, CIF swimmers. And my brother went to Olympic trials and everything else, my older one. So, I mean, it taught us self-confidence. little extreme. Yeah. But I now know that my all, all my kids know how to swim very well because right. I don't need to have a fence around my pool.
1: Yeah, it's so important. I think that the best thing you can give your children, whether it's boys or girls, is confidence. That's and, so you know, that comes from pushing them a, a little bit harder to push them out of their comfort zone, which, you know, I think applies to everything in life. And I, I know that. As I get older, confidence becomes so key. You know, it can take you way further than just about anything else, I think.
2: Well, think think about how, think about you're not going to have a perfect life. Something's going to happen to you. How are you going to deal with that crisis yeah. if you don't have something exactly. that you can you can fall on? And I'm not talking about having your parents die at a young age or doing this or doing that. I'm just talking about you having a period of your life that you've had to force yourself through it to be better and stronger without adversity of being, you know, something horrifically happened to your life or someone you love just by the mere fact that someone pushed you to get better on your own. I mean, look at the athletes that they have out there, looking, you know, all one of my favorite shows is So You Can Think You Can Dance. I was a professional dancer since I was three, and these dancers – as as um um Nigel would say blow him off the water there's no way <laughs> or or Twitch would say thank god i you know played in i was played i was uh, in season 3 and not season 12 or whatever they're in because there's no way yeah the caliber yeah. of acting yeah. today is off the chart.
1: yeah there's no way i could do that i i love to watch the show but i just uh I think that's crazy. And now, who Paula Dean is coming on now?
2: She's getting ready to come on in the next season. I'm dying to watch. <laughs> oh my gosh, crazy stuff. So, <laughs> it, I mean, you it, see it, my point? It's all about. I do. It's all about growing. It's all about self-confidence. It's all about having um, a vision. It's all about having the right support system, and it's also about your ability to keep it going. Um, and I, I think that is pivotal to what makes a successful woman. But don't get it wrong just because you've made it to the top. And, I mean, I heard a story from one of my friends who were, um, you know, that a friend of hers, um, uh, I shouldn't say a friend, but a client of hers, you know, built this company up to um, half a billion dollars. And they did a swap with another company, and the swap in six months spelled out that the companies were worthless. Could you imagine building oh, a no. company up to half a billion dollars and in six months have a company that's worthless? Wow. So yeah, and that, there, there's 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 bumps, and you've got to look at where you're going and what you're doing, and there's no you know gravy train. Exactly. Well, I know that you're on a tight schedule today, so I wanted to
1: get this wrapped up for you so you can get on to your next appointment. But I would like you to tell us just a little bit about um, the National Association of Women in Real Estate Business. How can people find out more about it? How can they... I know you just had your annual uh, um, conference in August, and I, I so wanted to go, but I was I was back in Florida for something else. But how can people get more information, and, and what can they do to get involved?
2: Well, thank you for asking. Um, yes, our website is N as in Nancy, A as in Apple, W for women, R for Robert, B for business.com. Our phone number is 949-559-9800. Again, that's 949-559-9800. And the Ness Association of Women in Real Estate Businesses, we are a conglomerate, like I said, of the entire housing continuum. And the thing that's so pivotal about what we do is we're a champion for diversity and inclusion for all women um, to make sure in upper management and in the, the supplier diversity that there is a voice out there. We get more accessibility for contracting jobs, um, for whether it be in the, the housing side or the government side, but more importantly that women have a voice and they have a say. Whether you're an agent, whether you're a lender um, and you don't own your own company or you, you know, you're not a broker or, or um, a donor, um, we make it possible for you to have the resources to get better, for example. Um, you know everyone thinks that you have to be part an owner to be you know part of an organization you don 't because you could be a a woman or a man a white get this a white male working for a minority woman owned company and still have that same designation that the minority woman would on her business card have on your card because you work for that corporation. Every employee, every person that's underneath that Im- a company, it's a company designation, not an individual. So what we do here is we educate you on the the opportunities out there. We give you accessibility to the growth out there. Um, we have ten different communities, uh, sorry, communities committees that you can be on to get involved as a woman. Um, we're always champion new ideas and creativity. Um, one of the coolest things that we just launched is our clothing line. We have She Is Changing Real Estate. It's trademarked. Um, she stands for Specializing in the Housing Economy. We have um, currently right now, we have three different colors of T-shirts. We have them in, in berry, white, and black. Um, and we have it all done in anonized gold, which is beautiful. We also have uh, hats that are SPF 50 that you can buy at our store online at NADRB.com, or you can call us and we can ship them out directly to you. Um, in addition to we offer third-party certifications. We're the only third-party certification for women-owned and minority women-owned specific to our industry. So obviously that's in housing economy. Um, we also champion, where the advocacy for the government. Um, we go to D.C. a lot. We're in the White House a lot talking about the housing movement, how we work with the Small Business Administration, how we make sure that the small businesses are not going to be right-sized out with all the all the compliances, excuse me, that are going on. Yeah, that's becoming a big factor. Um, uh, because of all the big, all the lenders can choose who they want to use and why use five little companies when we can use one big company. Um, exactly. So those are the kind of things we do. We do what they call long-term relationships. The other thing that you can tell your listeners that we're very happy to announce: we're going to be coming out here in the next week or two with a free database for all women in housing, whether you're a woman that's not a, um, uh, the owner or you're a woman owner that's in housing um, continuum. going could be a free database that everyone can get registered. So when we go talk to people and we champion who and what's going on, we have a full database so everyone has accessibility to it such that we can sit there and say, this is our community. This is who we are. Because right now there's not one that exists. And we yeah. want to make sure that we have a, accountability because Food for thought. Someone has to take the playing field because there is no community of geographical roots for women.
1: That's true. That's very true. That's fantastic. A huge, well, we powerful
2: will, statement. Go ahead. We will definitely
1: have all your links to your page on our web page when we post the podcast. And I'm. It was such a pleasure talking to you today because. Uh, you know I've seen you around for a while and I've just never had the opportunity to chat with you much and, and I was looking through some stuff I'm like I need to talk to that gal <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to your next event and I'm going to get signed up on your site and thank you so much for your time today it's been fantastic and I really appreciate it
2: thank you for having me and look forward to seeing you around and becoming part of the organization and let's see what we can do
1: absolutely make it a great Bye. day thank you everybody for listening
0: Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.